0: Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Rick Leidendorf, co-founder and president of Mindful U. Mindful U offers mindfulness courses for professionals in the private country club industry. Their courses focus on becoming authentic leaders, reducing stress, and experiencing greater joy at work. Rick has over 35 years of practical experience consulting with private golf clubs and small businesses. I've asked Rick to join us here today to discuss purpose-driven leadership, mindfulness, health, mental wellness, and professional growth. So thank you so much for joining us, Rick. How are you doing today?
1: Thanks, Daryl. Thanks for having me. I'm looking yeah. forward to it.
0: Yeah, me too. We had a good free, free interview call. Like we both, yeah, it's, it was good. But before we get into all your experience and kind of what you learned, obviously you've, you've been around for a while. How did you even get started? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Were your parents entrepreneurs?
1: Wow, if you want to go that far back, it starts yep. when I was a real small kid, and every Sunday night at dinner, I would come to the table with a new idea, and I can hear it like it was yesterday, my parents and my brothers and sisters saying, oh my God, here we go again, oh, another Dad. idea, yeah. right? Here we- <laughs> What's your crazy idea this week, Rick? That really did tee me up to be the entrepreneur, and I have had multiple businesses that some have failed, some have succeeded. And at the end of the day, that's what drives me. Mm. And so I've been, as an entrepreneur, probably since I was 24 years old, when I left corporate America to say, I can do this better. Mm. I can do this better. And part of me is that I maybe should have hung on a little bit longer with corporate America to learn more, but the the school of hard knocks is also a very good university to go to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great. You're going to learn one way or another. Uh, One way or another. What was one of your first businesses?
1: It was actually uh, bought into a travel agency and we started doing golf tours. And that was interesting because back then the airlines were actually paying commissions To travel agencies. Now that model has changed, of course, because you don't get commissions. You have to really provide a service, but that that changed. And that was really my start. But then that led to three different patents that I have. The first of which was in the sports marketing business, where I created something crazy. I'll never forget it. It was called the mascot megaphone. And it was really designed to help fans in the audience get more involved with the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so we created this megaphone with a head on it, and it was a wolf head. And I went to Nestle's and said, look, I've got a great idea. Let's do a game day giveaway, give 10,000 fans this product, and then follow it up with some retail marketing where we would stuff the Nestle's candy bars into the megaphone and sell it as a retail item. So
0: they love that. I bet.
1: yeah, it was great. 10,000 people running around with your product in your hand. And I was featured in the Minneapolis publications and it was really exciting. And, but the lesson, a lot of lessons learned in that, but that was my very first real hurrah into something that I thought was really spectacular. And, um, what,
0: you say a lot of lessons learned. What were some of the lessons that you learned?
1: Oh, my goodness! When you don't know anything about manufacturing and CNC and manufacturing, and you rely on somebody to produce a product for you on a particular time frame, you better build in a lot of float because a lot of things happen. And I can, I'll never forget it. I was in the basement of the Timberwolves Stadium the day of the giveaway, literally with twenty five people. Doing final touches on the product before we could even give it away, pretty stressful. Right. And uh, when you rely on a vendor for your business, it's it can be really challenging.
0: Yeah, I, I bring into mind someone said the worst number in business is one: one key employee, one key supplier, one key vendor, one main <laughs> yes. client. One is the worst <laughs> number in business, and for a lot of people, they they may or may not realize that a job is a business where you have one client and one product. Your time. And your boss, that's, it's a business with one product, one client.
1: Exactly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of great things happened. I was in my mid twenties when that happened, but fast forward to where I'm at today. I was in the health and wellness business many years Mm. and uh, talking about nutrition and fitness and recreation and keeping people healthy Mm. and created a certification program in the private club industry called the America's Healthiest Clubs. And Mm. I learned so much about what makes it tick and what people are all about, what they're interested in. But it wasn't until about six or seven years ago when I met Craig Marshall, the monk, and I realized that it's not necessarily about what we eat and how we recreate as much as it is how we think that determines how healthy we can be. Because if we have mm. a bad attitude and we have a poor relationship with food or we don't even understand what that means, if you don't have the mindset that says, I need to make better choices, then right. you're going to continue to buy the wrong products. And if it goes into your pantry, you're going to eat it.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been and, I have a four-year-old daughter. Sorry, I just wanted to speak to that because her grandma, her Lola, is always trying to reward her with candy. And I go, that is setting her. That's dangerous because now. You're training her that if I'm good, I deserve this. And then when you're an adult and you have your own job and you can afford your stuff, hey, I had a tough day today. I should get, what is the reward? That's, that's a really, yeah, that's a really important. But
1: unfortunately, the challenge is, let's call it prevention. Most people would rather eat what they think is food and then deal with the doctors and the prescriptions and medications later on when it finally hits you. So. I'm always I've always been about prevention. Work out, eat right, and hopefully you're gonna escape some of those chronic illnesses that we end up having. And and I'm learning more and more that those chronic illnesses, whether it's depression, anxiety, high blood pressure, cholesterol, even to a certain to, to extent extent diabetes, it's really about how we think and it's our mindset. So if we make better choices, and that starts with how we think then I think at the end of the day, you're going to find more people will live a better life if they understood that. But unfortunately, we're, as a society, when you look at how many people are obese or even morbidly obese, it's unfortunate. Most people don't even know what food is. I think that a Taco Bell or a McDonald's is food. It's not.
0: (laughs) Not food. Yeah. hundred percent. This is really hitting on a vein that I'm passionate about. I'm actually part owner in a supplement company, and it really is. People don't understand what real food is. CrossFit came under fire for years because they figured out how to cure diabetes, get off the carbs, get off the couch. Yeah. There's just a lot of, it's just, it's almost that simple. And like you said, what is real food? In the jungle, not everything kills you and eats you. Some things just try to attach onto you and feed off of you as long as possible. And I have this chart that I really love that I send to people sometimes that you can find on Our World and Data, and they actually updated it. To make it seem like what I mean is there's a chart called life expectancy versus expenditure. How much, how long you can expect to live versus how much you're spending. And there's a clear black swan on that chart. And it is the United States worth the average per capita paying something like $9,000. And it's a middle of the pack, lower middle of the pack performer compared to the mm. rest of the world in terms of life mm. expectancy. Most people like in the United States are paying two to three times the amount for healthcare and they're not even getting middle of the pack or upper middle of the pack outcomes. It's just okay. a and so you I look at that and it just rings like a bell. This is a system designed for profit. It's a pair, it's a parasitic network. It is oh, not for performance. It is for those listening, meat, veggies, nuts, seeds, fruit, eggs, vegetables, exactly. You know? And yeah. and I'm gonna give you
1: a quick story that really turned me from living that lifestyle to an advocate of health and well-being. And I was part of a group called Eat America. And Eat America had a client, main client was Whole Foods, and they would do these week-long health immersions where Dr. Stoll would come in and talk about food and what it is. And so we would educate, but more importantly, they were feeding people three meals a day, and they were all plant-based foods, no substitutes, no artificial fats and sugars. And in a week, I was amazed to see how many people actually lost between 12 and 20 pounds in a week. They were getting off of their blood pressure medicine, their cholesterol medicine. They were reducing their insulin by 50% in one week Yep, because yep. their body- went through uh, this transition for the first 24 to 48 hours, they were having headaches and they were feeling nauseous. They were feeling poor because their body was not used to eating high right. micronutrient and nutrient products. Yep. And I'm going to tell you when I saw that happen and I watched people come in and they would do these reveals where a gentleman would come in and talk about what they saw in the last year after changing their behavior, 400 pound man losing 180 pounds, and completely changing their life all simply by eating the right foods.
0: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because people don't understand it's a whole systemic issue where, you know, what you eat develops the bacteria in your gut to digest that. So when you have a food craving, it's actually little bacteria. Like we're not, I'm not, this is going to get some, this is getting a little (laughs) theological, but what is me? I'm Daryl, but what is me? My hair falls out. Is that still me? I cut off a fingernail. Is that fingernail still me? I'm literally trillions of cells working together in a unison, but then you can even get a little weirder. Am I me or am I the series of events that led to my creation? Like, at what point do I become me? Am I me when the sperm hits the egg? Am I me in the, right. in the right. series of events cascading? So that happened. Am I me when I cut? Ca- so it's just a weird thing. But you, when you have a food craving, that's literally the little monsters, the bacteria in your gut that are going, hey, feed me. And like you say, that's what makes it hard hard for people That's to cool. hop off and a lot of people don't even realize that in school we all learned that there's herbivores and there's carnivores,
1: carnivores. and omnivores yeah.
0: herbivores right. eat plants carnivores eat meat omnivores eat plants and meat nowhere along the line did we find creatures that eat chemicals and rocks and like mercury <laughs> and aluminum it's not part of it. If this is why I say there's parasitic entities that, like you talk about mindset, people just get, they get duped. I just, for, for I didn't mean to go on this long rant, forgive me, but like I said, we I'm part owner of a supplement company and we do a weekly newsletter and we, I just wrote it and sent it out yesterday and it was uh, the hidden secret boosting okay. lifespan hiding in plain sight. And that is that caloric restriction is, has everything they've tested on. They've tested on everything from yeast to mammals. And across the board, it is extended lifespan and reduced chronic disease, caloric restriction. But the problem is people don't want to starve. But then you also look and see intermittent fasting. is irre- There's irrefutable benefits to intermittent fasting. And so clearly this would indicate that if there was a magic bullet for diet, that it would be as like a super low calorie, high nutrient density diet yeah, and
1: I have a saying, and you can use this going forward. People say you are what you eat. And I think, no, that's not true. You are today what you ate because mm. ultimately, who you are right now, now the question is, who do you want to be? Yep. and who is that me? and what do you got to do to change? So your gut health and your your nutritional intake and your caloric intake, all that stuff is, but again, it all gets down to, mindset.
0: That's, if I
1: have a mindset that says, I want to eat whatever I want to eat when I want to eat it, I don't care about my health, then you're going to get more of that. Right. If you have a mindset that says, I want to live to be a hundred and I want to be enjoying. In fact, a friend of mine just said this the other day, and I thought it was really fantastic. He says, most people wait for the golden years, right? Yeah, we're yeah. going to retire and we're going to have the golden years. I'm going to tell you right now, being 65 years old, those golden years are not as great as you think they are so you better enjoy what you've got when you're in the mm. 40s and your 50s because you can travel you can do those things but as people age and we see this in the private club industry all the time that you can be really wealthy but if you have your he- if you don't have your health, health yeah you nothing yeah
0: yeah i know so many people that have made money sacrificing their health for it and then they end up spending it all trying to get their health back you got to cross the finish line with both yeah exactly a hundred percent we
1: Yeah. So, you know, to finish the story, where am I at? I, about for the 13 years ago, when I went into this health and wellness space, I really focused on fitness and nutrition. And like I said, it was about six years ago when I met the monk, Craig Marshall. And I'm going to tell you everything changed because how we deal with stress is how Mm -hmm. we interpret situations. And how do you deal with that? Um, I know people that when they get upset, they'll punch filing cabinets and their blood's bursting in their veins and their head. And they're just somebody else could experience that same situation and have no no issues whatsoever. So they're mm-hmm. very calmly active and actively calm. And that's a mindset. And that yeah. really is amazing, especially when you're trying to lead people, you have to be that mentor, that coach. That's- and so how do you lead people if you're In a chaotic mode, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're on medications, you're not getting the right amount of sleep, you're not taking care of yourself. And it's like the old adage when you get on the airplane and the stewardess or the flight attendant says, don the mask first and then your children.
0: Why is that? Yeah, because you can't help anyone if you're suffocating. Exactly. So
1: it's a pretty simple strategy or theory. But the reality is, unfortunately, we see things on a bell curve. And if you take a bell curve and you look at the left-hand side uh, and you put a line down the 5% of people on that bell curve, that's the people that are in pain. Mm -hmm. They've lost their job. They've been diagnosed with a chronic illness. They're now on medications. They're experiencing some kind of pain and they have to take action. They have to change their life, right? It's the two-by-four theory when your doctor says, you are diabetes and you better change your life or you're going to die. Now, on the other side of this bell curve of the 5%, those are the aspirational people that are looking to to sharpen the saw, continue to evolve, lifelong learners. They want to go to the next level, that career move, that next job opportunity, the promotion. They're highly motivated because they're aspirational. So they're motivated by pleasure. Mm. And that's really it pain and pleasure. In right. the middle of this bell curve, 90% of the population, in my opinion, are experiencing the same issue, mm-hmm. but they're not willing to take action. So mm-hmm. it's about commitment. Because, mm-hmm. hey, if 65% of the people are considered overweight or obese, why does it continue to get worse every year? Yeah. Because they're not willing to take action to take that next step to say, I'm going to change my behavior. Yep. People yep. don't do that.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's
1: un- it's unfortunate because the world would be a much better place if we just took a little bit of time to invest in ourselves. Mm-hmm. One hour a week. That's all it takes. And then things change and it's subtle, but over the long haul, you're a better person, you're a better manager, a better leader. And it again all starts with how we think.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Because you know, what you if you see it, I'm trying to grab a, an expression here, I guess it sounds smart, but ultimately you're hundred percent because you have to decide what you want to do before you do it. I worked for one of the gurus of the whole law of attraction. And I really feel that yes, you have to have the mindset, but there has to be a lot of action behind it to make it go. But you also need to tap into your why. There's supposed to be some story and it just is about perspective. It's like some efficiency consultant in Egypt is asked to come and figure out how to get the slaves to build the pyramid faster. And he sees the first guy chipping at a rock and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? The guy's like can't you see I'm smashing rocks? Leave me alone. And, he's like, and he goes away. And then he goes to ask the second guy and he's like, Hey, what are you what are you doing here? And the guy's like, Can't you see I'm busy? I didn't forget what else, but he's like, Can't you see I'm busy building a pyramid? Leave me alone. And so it's one guy saw he was just the task in front of him, smashing rocks. The other guy saw the project, right? That he was building the pyramid, and he's still a little grumpy. And then he goes to the third guy who's just like glowing as he works. He's like, Hey, what's going on? You are being so productive. What's happening? He's like, Hey, leave me alone. Can't you see I'm building a legacy? It's like the same task, but just different points of view on the subject. But I think that's really important. People get so caught up in the minutia when it pops up in their lives. There's so many distractions. Like, like I said, not everything, in the jungle kills you and eats you. Some things just want to feed on you and like television shows. They want you to watch every episode. Like all that stuff happened. It's drawing on your attention. How did we used to have eras where like Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci, these people were masters in multiple fields. Right? Like now a lot of people, they spend 10, 12 years to become, try and become a master in one, one field, one thing. And I feel like if you took a look at the time that they have in their life, it's because I, I you know, when you wake up, you have 24 coins, one hour, one coin is one hour and you can invest them. However you see fit. I can invest one coin in my health for an hour. I can put one coin in my family, one coin in my education. And most people, they aren't even keeping track. If they plan their day in 10, 30 minute blocks, it would feel, realize how much time they're wasting. And I just think that a lot of that comes back to mindset. And and
1: I love your analogy because we have this, I think we're redefining what work life balance is. Mm. And we think of it as work life me balance because your life is broken into a lot of sections like where are you going to put your token. And in our world we see all too often that very few people invest in the me side of thing, but they want this work life balance. They want it to change somehow. Yeah. How are you going to do that? The old adage is lead a horse <laughs> to water and which can't make him drink. But I heard one of one of our customers say, "We just salt the oats." And I yeah. said, "That's really interesting." So, now the horse is really thirsty. Incy, yeah. So, how do you salt the oats? And, and that's, it's an interesting concept because it really is true. There is so much information out there. Google, AI, you name it. You can get anything you want for information out there. But too few people are willing to actually take the commitment or make that next step. Take the next step and invest and do one hour a week. That's all it really takes is just one hour to just sit back and breathe. Just reflect maybe even celebrate your successes Mm. and just say, wow, my life is good. Instead, we focus on the negative and that's the law of attraction. You get more of that. So if you focus on what's working and what you want, you're going to get more of that. And that's truly as simple as it gets.
0: Yeah. yeah. I learned that in martial arts. It was a real eye opener. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is a grappling art. And I felt it was very profound for me when I was grappling that I realized wherever I pointed someone's head, like if we were wrestling and I pushed your head one way, Wherever your head went, your focus went, the rest of you followed. And that's if you think about even walking, like where my focus goes, my feet follow typically, right? Like even if I'm walking backwards, I'm gonna trip over things if I don't focus right. on where I'm All going. Right. So I think it's a really important thing. What would you recommend to someone who's maybe just starting out or just struggling and they feel like they have, maybe they don't have a healthy mindset? Where do they begin? we
1: define this in a three-step process. First thing is discovery. So you have to ask yourself, who am I, where am I going, what do I want? You know, And we start with a survey, of course, to say what's the most important issue or challenge you're dealing with? Is it family related? Is it work related? Is it financial? But more often than not, we'll start with the first conversation, which is your stress level. Are you stressed out? And if somebody says, yes, I'm a seven, eight, or nine, or 10, then they obviously have a, an importance there. So now we know we got to focus on stress what is stress? Where, Who causes your stress? What are your stressors? Is it work-related? Is it a particular individual? Is it a particular type of project or activity that stresses you out? Mm. Now you have to go deeper to say, now I need to do a little bit more discovery to say, where do I start? Then you can go to the second point, which is more about purpose. Okay, mm. now what do I want? If now that I know that I'm stressed and where it's causing, what am I trying to achieve? What's my purpose? My why? What's my goal? What's my desired outcome? And then you start getting a little bit more granular because, as Craig Marshall would say, it's all about clarity and specificity. The clearer you are about what you're trying to do and the more specific you are, the more likely you are to achieve that. The more general the less likely you are to get there. It's like saying, I want to make a million dollars. Okay, that's great. But that's not clear enough. Yeah, that's not specific enough. How am I going to do that? And and so the first step is discovery. Second is purpose. And then the third is inspired action. Now that I know where I want to go, then everything I do is going to be inspired. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to educate myself, of course, and I'm going to have to do things. And there are lots of tools out there. The reality is you can't get to three until you've done two and you can't get to two until you've done one. And that's the real difficult part is right, that self-awareness because that's the first thing about mindfulness is being aware. Yeah. So am I aware of what's going on? Okay, I'm overweight. So what do I want to do? I want to lose 10 pounds. How are you going to do that? Why do you want to do that? Is it because you want to just fit into that dress for the wedding that's coming up in three months? Or do you really want to change your life? and be healthy and not be on medications and not go to the doctor and feel good. Man, I'll tell you, I've seen lots of stories. There was an article that said, here's the hundred reasons why people wanna lose weight. And one of them just said, I just wanna see my toes again.
0: Yeah. Another one
1: said, I wanna just fit in an airline seat and not have to take two two seats or be embarrassed because I'm encroaching on somebody else. I It's that's the real motivation not just I want to lose weight. It's why that inspired action is the missing piece.
0: It fits in perfectly with the research that we've done. A lot of my listeners know that in 2020, I hired a bunch of people to help me go through all the academic literature to figure out what moves the needle for small and medium-sized businesses. And we found eight critical success factors. And one of them was self-efficacy, which we then dove into to go, what is self-efficacy? What does that mean? And what is excellence in it? And it's demonstrating certain personality traits, leadership skills, and disciplines. And one of the disciplines are mental health disciplines, physical health disciplines, right? time management disciplines. But leadership skills, when a lot of people are, I train leadership. What is that? Sometimes it's very vague and amorphous. But exactly we said, leadership is about, it's not so much about having, at least in terms of business and our eight factors, your vision, it really comes from your market intelligence and strategic planning, but leadership comes from self-awareness. It comes from self-awareness, communication, cooperation skills, emotional intelligence, understand yourself and other people and adaptability. And that's a huge, so exactly what you're talking about. It's really important. Jim Rohn's got this great quote. If you have an idiot and you motivate them, all you have now is a motivated idiot. What they need is an education (laughs) to turn them around and point them in the right direction. And then they'll get there eventually, as long as, as long as they know where they're going. And so that's almost like what you're saying, like, you got to have a destination.
1: And the visual on that, that it goes back to Stephen Covey and the seven habits in his book, he talks about the difference between a manager and a leader. The manager is the guy that has the machetes and he's got the right equipment and his job is to cut a beautiful path through the forest. And when that manager looks back, he's going to see a beautiful, perfectly flat road and it's beautiful and it's landscaped and everything. It looks great. Mm
0: -hmm. The leader
1: is the one that finds the tallest tree, climbs the tree and says that way. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> Because a manager
1: might be doing a great job, job. operationally, but they're going yes. in the wrong direction. Yeah, They're wasting their time. Yes. So the leader's got to be the one that sees the vision. And a real leader is one that actually mentors and coaches others to become leaders and a true reflection of a leader leaders. How many people have you led who have become leaders? Mm. That's a real interesting question.
0: Yeah, that is an interesting question. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, people are, a dog is only ever going to be a dog meaning it's only ever going to do the handful of things that a dog can do. There's exceptions where we train a dog to juggle or whatever, hop on one leg. But ultimately, most dogs are only going to be what it, what a dog does. But humans, we are phenomenal. We are knowledge creation machines. We are creative engines. I could decide today, Rick, I'm stopping this podcast. I'm going to go be a ballerina. And I can go learn a whole new set of skills. I could just des- decide I'm going to invent a new tool. We are already cyborgs. Like we are not talking, we are talking with our physical, God-given or universe-given beings. But we're not. I've got this mechanical attachment here. It's not attached to me, but it's allowing me to send my voice literally across the planet, so you can achieve it. And we're recording it not with a chisel and a stone tablet, but with electronic. Like we humans are so phenomenal, and so exactly you say so much of it is about your mindset. Like. What do you want to go? Like, where do you want to go? If I gave you 10,000, an army of 10,000 robots, what would you have them do? Like, great. You got 10, 10,000 robots. They'll work for you all day, every day, whatever you want. What are they going to do? What are you going to most people can't answer that. It'd be like, I want to eat every day. Oh, okay. But it's a robot. You got to tell it what to, that's what software is just a robot. It's just ones and zeros. A lot of the stuff, the hardware obviously is more engineering and mechanics, electronics, all that but it's almost like our minds like our mind is the world's greatest computer and if you don't have clear instructions i saw this great video of a dad having his son write down how to make a peanut butter sandwich and his son was like put the peanut butter on the bread and so he just took the bag of bread and the peanut butter and stacked them on top of each other right and he's <laughs> like no you got to open the peanut butter said, you open up the peanut butter yeah now you got to scoop it out and put it on the bread and he scooped it out and just put it on the plastic bag of the bread and he's like no you got it and that's what we're talking about here when you say like your mindset that clarity and just. Sometimes electronic. silence, right? Yeah. Silence
1: is, yeah. That's a great segue into where we're going. We we see trends before they, they become trends. And then we try to apply tools to help people. And one of the things that we're doing now is we have a program called the AIEIU. AI being artificial intelligence, where that meets emotional intelligence, something mm. that's very challenging. And then really the U becomes the focus on you because we control our own destiny but we Mm got to work on us as human beings. And now we can start to apply the tools that have been given to us, the robots, in this case, AI. And I'm going to tell you, I've not been so excited about the future until this AI came about. And I use it every day and I teach it and I help apply it. And it solves so many problems. It's making me smarter and it's making me more efficient. And my theory is that if I can help save 10 hours a month for somebody, would you take those 10 hours and apply it to another task, another project, or would you take one of those hours a week and apply it to your own personal development? Because if you right. take that time-saving and now you're more efficient, now you're more focused on strategy and vision and the why and the purpose, as opposed to just hammering out that
0: rock, yep. it's why am I hammering this rock? Yeah, to yeah, your yeah. Point. yeah, 100%. I, I want to ask, where do you think the future of this stuff is going I you already spoke to a little bit but can you speak I have my own ideas but I'm curious to know what you think fast forward 5 10 20 years what do you think
1: yeah I'm (laughs) in I'm so excited about what it can do on the positive side but I'm Mm -hmm. afraid on the negative side there are a lot of people that are going to use it to their negative advantage and so I'm hopeful that we can control it Because it is so powerful with deep fake, and you don't, we won't even know what video is anymore. You won't be able to trust video Mm. at all because you can manipulate it in so many different ways. I'm going to stay focused on what it's doing for me to help managers become better leaders, help them become better people. And it's so much more efficient to do a chat GPT, and you can literally ask it the questions that you want to ask yourself because you're dealing with a particular issue it's phenomenal. And that's mm. on the positive side. I don't even want to go on the negative side because I, it's a scary
0: thought. Right. Yeah. it's. I agree. I think it's just like a calculator in the sense of there's always been bookkeepers and accountants, but they used to have to do the math themselves. So the productive ones were productive and the non-productive ones and they had an excuse for why they weren't productive. And then calculators came out and helped the productive ones be more productive. And the unproductive ones lost their excuse for why it was taking so long to crunch numbers. <laughs> but it didn't eliminate the need for accountants and bookkeepers per se. And now we've hit AI where you can have this thing produce stuff and expedite things, but ultimately we're living our own human experience. And I, yeah, I agree. It's a weird catch 22. I'm very positive. I think the future, I think we're on the precipice. There's a guy that wrote a book called The Fourth Turning. Uh, Neil, I forget his last name. We talked about looking through history that obviously civilizations go through cycles and so do generations. So if your parents smothered you, when you grow up, you're like, I'm never going to smother my kids, but then your kids grow up and they go, my parents weren't there for me. They didn't watch my ball game. I'm going to be there for my kids. And so basically there's four or six types of generations and they all, there's like the prophet, the artist, the hero, the silent generation. And then they all have a flavor and long story short, every generation has these 20 year segments, essentially every cycle is around 20 years, although he thinks they're extending. And so there's, they define them. As spring summer fall winter and that we are in a winter right now Mm. The civil war in the united states was a winter the world war was a winter and some are specific to a specific culture and some are global and that we are in a global winter right now and that it's really you and me like our generations are the ones that will determine the outcome because we're the ones that are we know our place in life we've we've got if you're 20 bless you but you're still figuring out what you want to do with your life, who you are. You're still on the path of self-discovery. Whereas for you and I and our generations, you know, we're a little more solid in our beliefs. We've got resources behind us. We've So we're not as much trying to figure out ourselves as we are trying to pave the way for the future. And so it's on us, so to speak, to, pat, to pave this path in the future and that every winter has two potential outcomes. One is a new golden era, a new golden age. And the other one is a little dystopian. like You think of like the dark ages and medieval times. That was a winter that didn't end well. We really are at a time right now on this precipice and based on his estimates, it's going to take us to about 2030, 2035 to really kind of work this out. And that until then, there's going to be a lot of jostling back and forth. And I really, I think it was Jordan Peterson that said, there's no virtue in being a weak man. Virtue comes from having power and strength and ferocity, but not using it recklessly. That's what makes you virtuous. If you're weak and unable to hurt or or even protect someone, there's no virtue that and i think it comes to these tools that like we need to learn to use them so we can be more formidable do ourselves a better but also like you say these nefarious actors we have a defense mechanism like hey i know how to use a sword too so you can't just walk over and and hurt me with it and so i think it's about leaning in on these technologies and and then having conversations like this about it because you can't ignore the weeds you can't if you just know there's no weeds in my garden there's no weeds in my garden you got to look identify them talk about them Talk about what to do about them, and I think well, he, and I think, you and
1: you can't just cut. You just can't cut the weeds down. You have to pull them out by the roots. Right. And that's what we really focus on is getting to the Mindset. core. Yeah, of, exactly. And and, and you know what the real problem I think is it's too easy to just say I'm stressed out. I need some medication. No, how about let's figure out what's stressing you out. Change that behavior, and then you no longer have the stress, and you don't yep. need the medication. Yeah. But it's just too easy. Everybody's looking for the magic pill, the silver bullet. It doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It comes back to that self-awareness and the listening to yourself and personal accountability. I don't know where that went. I remember in Kenya, I went to Africa and I spent Kenya and Uganda. I spent five weeks in Uganda and four weeks in Kenya. And before I went on this nine week trip, I remember there was like a, one of those like leaning buses, like the thing, like lean so you can get on and somebody like tripped or something. And there was like a lawsuit around it. And then I went to Kenya where they had, I forget what they're called now, but they're, they didn't have buses. They just had like minivans and they had like coach buses that would go and take people around, but they didn't even stop. Like, I, I remember I was like, they're like, go, I'm like, go, it's the move. They're like, get off, go. I'm like, go. I'm jumping from a moving vehicle. And then I hear about this lawsuit that the kneeling bus didn't kneel enough for the person. And I'm like, where is this personal accountability in this world? Like people are so detached mm-hmm. from reality in certain respects
1: that yeah. we, need,
0: we need to pause and reflect. And I think that's one of the things that the pandemic as a blessing in disguise, so to speak, it allowed people, a lot of people sit at home and go look at their lives and the demands on them. And i like you talk about mindset and that, like if you leave a building every day at 3 PM and you pass someone that makes you feel anxious or some sort of conflict, even when you're not there on a day at that time of day, I noticed this when I, I I was a kid and I got into boxing my box class is always like 6:30 to 8 p.m. and then i was out with my friends and i felt really rowdy one night i was like i don't know and i realized it's because this time of night i'm always boxing i'm hitting pads that's why i'm like and then i realized that has a a positive and a negative you can do that to condition yourself positively or it can be used against you negatively and people got to sit home sorry i know i'm on another soapbox but i'm really enjoying this conversation and you know <laughs> i think people had the time to pause and reflect silence is as much music as noise is you need the yeah. pauses in order to hear the melody, and I think that's what you're saying about mindset. And that a lot of people are so detached.
1: But the favorite, you know, what the favorite part of our classes from all of our students and what they say when we survey them, we're on a lot of master classes and leadership classes and anywhere from 30 minutes to 60 minutes. The number one thing that people remember and enjoy is our three to four minute meditation. As a group. And
0: mm-hmm. we've
1: had many groups where we're in front of a couple hundred people. And to get 200 people to meditate for three or four yeah. minutes, it's amazing oh. how quickly your thoughts slow, your breath slows, your heart rate slows, and you get into a different sort of mindset just that quickly.
0: Can you speak to that? How do you? Is there only one way to meditate? Are there different types of meditation?
1: Uh, multiple meditations, but we teach some basic strategies where you're sitting up back against away from the chair your arm your hands are pulled back so you get more oxygen you're just closing your eyes but you're not closing your eyes and going into sleep you're closing your eyes and focusing it between your eyebrows so your eyes stay up and you're alert you're conscious and you're aware and then it's just a slower breathing process and in three or four minutes we've had people say i looked at my watch my apple watch before i started And my heart rate went down 25 beats in three minutes yeah and and it helps frame the conversation because now you're not distracted with your last meeting that you just came from or you're not thinking about thoughts about what's happening tomorrow you're in the moment now you're present and that's what mindfulness is and part of what our training is being aware and being present
0: i think there's a lot of practical application for that also There's a thing called like the 10,000 hours to mastery, but I I heard a different one and I like it better that it's not 10,000 hours. It's 10,000 iterations because we need to Mm. do something, complete it, pause and reflect and then move Mm. forward. And this is, I think, like you talk about mindfulness and the meditation and that it's when do you pause and reflect and allow emptiness so you can see what is missing? Like if you never look, you can't see it. It's so hard. It's so hard when you're That's why people have coaches because they're when they're playing the game, it's hard to see what's happening a lot of times. So I think that's
1: there's something called the 17 second rule. And I swear to you, if I gave this challenge to any one of your listeners, you would probably find very few that could actually do this. And that is think about one thought for 17 seconds and a more deepening and corroborative thought will happen. So we're very broad thinkers. We think about a lot of things. In fact, we think a thousand thoughts an hour. And that's a lot. That's one every two and two th- third seconds. So there's so a lot of thinking going on, but we're very broad. But if you start to try to get deeper, that's when the true genius comes out. But I guarantee you that you couldn't do this. Close your eyes, think about one thought, and I guarantee you can't get past five seconds Without yeah. having some weird, strange thought come into your head about whatever. It could have been when you were boxing, when you were six years old. It could be, yeah. you know, what you got to eat for lunch today. It, it, who knows? Because we don't know where thoughts come from. It's like champagne bubbles, yeah. they just come from someplace. The question is, what do we do with that thought? Yeah. And more importantly, how can we stay focused on one thought? Try it sometime. It's amazing. You can't get past three or four seconds without having another thought, even with meditation. Very difficult to really stay focused on focusing on your breath, just your breath, because there's all these thoughts that are coming in and out of your head. So it's really interesting. But if you can slow your mind, you can slow your breath, you can slow your heart rate. And that's when you really truly get into, I think, mindfulness.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's incredibly powerful. Sounds like a great way to develop discipline and willpower as well. Not in a strong, forceful sense, but in a yielding, soft sense, to be able to yield And like you said, calm down, not get aggressive and force focus and discipline, but through calmness and yielding, which is counterintuitive, I think, to a lot of people.
1: I think if you take some of the what I call Craigisms from Craig Marshall, the monk, one of the things he says, there's nothing serious going on here. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. There are situations that are life and death. And okay, they'll give, but for the most part, any situation, any time, any conversation you have more than likely, if you just have that attitude, like there's nothing serious going on here, totally relaxes your mind and say, hey, I can deal with this.
0: That's Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Now, can you speak to being in business for so long? How does, for a lot of people right now, there's been a lot of career changes. A lot of people have started businesses. A lot of people are concerned about the state of affairs in the world. You've seen multiple cycles. Are there any habits that you feel have helped you on your path into success and surviving for so long?
1: See, it's simple. Three words, follow your passion, period. I've been, I've owned a travel agency. I've owned a personnel agency. I've had three patents. I've done a lot of things, but it wasn't until 2010 when I was at this health immersion and I realized that helping people get to a healthier existence was my passion. I lived that way my entire life but I didn't ever really think of it as a business. And so as soon as I figured out following your passion, then everything became fun and easy rather than work and difficult. And Mm -hmm. if I'm mentoring or coaching a younger person, the first thing I'm going to say is just follow your passion. Mm -hmm. And it always goes back to a story that I heard about Tony Robbins many years ago when I read his or was listening to his CD-ROMs, Unleash the Power. And this was, I don't know, 35, 40 years ago. Long time ago, yeah. Long time ago. And he said he was coaching this young kid who was having difficulty in school, poor grades, wasn't showing up, disengaged, just was not connected. Tony Robbins sat down and he asked him one question. What do you love to do? The kid said, I love to surf. From that moment on, every single comment that Tony made in response to anything that this kid said, he would relate it back to surfing. So an example would be, how do you, if I asked you a question, like what really irritates you and what happens when you get angry? Do you punch them like the punching bag? Do you get upset? What do you do? How do you react? And that question is pretty obvious. But when you relate it to surfing in this case, it would be like, okay, Bob. When somebody steals your wave and they took that wave that you knew was yours and he cut in front of you, what do you do? You're angry. Do you wait for him to come out to the water on the board and you punch him in the throat? Do you get angry? What do you do? That's the real question. So he related everything to surfing. And that kid went from non-engaged, disengaged, no poor grades to an A student. Why? Because he had something that he could relate to. He could really understand that this makes sense. People just, it's a disconnect. It's a big disconnect.
0: disconnect. And it's a reframe. Again, it comes back to the mind and mindset. I don't know why, but you reminded me of the story of Alan Watts. He calls it the dream. He talks about, if you imagine that every night when you went to sleep, you could dream a hundred years of life. And every night you go to sleep, you dream a hundred years. And you can dream, in the beginning, you would dream all these wonderful lives full of pleasure and fame and fortune, everything that you'd want. But after a while, that would get boring. And so then you'd want to dream lives where there was adventure and danger and risk and challenge. And over time, you would dream riskier and riskier things because every night you're dreaming a full lifetime. You're going to wake up. You know, it's going to be all okay at the end. Then all of a sudden Hmm. one day it wouldn't be enough anymore because the risk and the danger is not really risky and danger because you know you're going to wake up and it's all going to be okay. So then one night you would go to sleep and go tonight when I dream this hundred years of life, I don't want to know that I'm going to wake up and it's all going to be okay. And in the infinite possibility of the world, you could, you know, the universe, sorry to say, sorry, in the infinite possibility of the universe, you could, one of those nights, go to sleep and dream the life that you're living today. And so, again, these challenges and obstacles are not necessarily there to hurt you or to harm you or to prevent you from getting what you want. They're really there as lessons and something, an experience to have. And so, again, but how do you approach it? It's, I come from martial arts. A lot of it is we're training, conditioning ourselves to to overcome our reflexes because for a lot of people if they get attacked the reflex is the turtle and cover but that doesn't serve your purpose so you're conditioning your reflexes again to take the surfing analogy to face the waves head-on and to use that energy okay. to your best advantage as opposed to being it's like an undertow you can swim against the undertow and then fatigue and drown or you can just go with it when it's that uh, it's a musical <laughs> thing you're supposed to sing and dance while the music is playing Right.
1: Yeah. You actually make a living doing this. This is, sounds like fun to me.
0: Yeah. Just, it is fun. Yeah. It is.
1: Hanging out and talking to people, and just, and this is a great conversation. I'm sure you and I could do this all day long. Yeah. Because yeah. it's about attitude. And the Carnegie Institute did a survey many years ago, and they really wanted to understand success. And they realized that success is made up of three things skills, knowledge, and attitude. An attitude represents 85% yes. of your success. Yes. So when we talk about helping people in their careers and advancing to the next level, we want you to focus on not your pedigree and your previous jobs and all the tactical things that you did, but focus on your attitude and how you can help inspire others and lead. And attitude is everything. And we hire for attitude. And there's a theory that many people hire slow hire fast fire slow right that means you're hanging on to people you just can't change and there's a story you know about on the bus we want you on the bus but if you're not really part of the culture and you're not part of the attitude that we have here then get off at the next bus stop and we'll even help you get off and we'll yeah. help encourage you to, but if you don't fit then yeah. there's no real point and that gets back to purpose and why and mission and vision things that most people don't spend a lot of time talking about
0: yeah. I think that's, I think that's incredibly powerful. And I love that because when I had my martial arts school, I was being coached and we were talking about, if you had the greatest coach in the world, let's describe your greatest coach and while they'd be a world champion. Okay. And then they'd be really good at the art. Okay. And they would be patient and they would be caring and they would be understanding and they would be able to relate to me from my point of view. And then, okay, what are these things that are coachable, trainable, and which ones of those are not? And when you took, when we took a look at the list, it was like you said, it was 80% was The attitude, the character, there's things that, and everything else you can train someone to be knowledge and skill. I've trained with world champions that are terrible coaches. I've trained with world champions that are great coaches too, but it just, it doesn't make someone a great coach. That attitude part is so important. There's a story of two people walking in the desert, separate, and they're so dehydrated. They're so thirsty. And the one's just so frustrated and angry and just, I'm never going to make it. I can't. Oh my goodness. And they just negative thoughts and thinking, and they end up dying of dehydration. And the other one is thinking like, there's there's gotta be an answer. There's gotta be a solution. And then realizes all around them are cacti and that the cacti have water and just kicks one over and has all the water that they could want and hope for. Two people, same desert, same opportunities, two opposite outcomes. So I think that's really powerful what you've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. Rick, if people wanna get in touch, if they wanna check out your courses, if they wanna learn more, if they've really enjoyed this, if they think that they would benefit from helping alleviate stress, learning how to become a stronger leader, working on their mindfulness, their time management, personal responsibility. How do they find out more?
1: First of all, I want to say, because you opened up your statement by saying we're in the private club industry, which is true. That's a niche market we're in, but we're expanding our message to the general population anywhere. So if you want to reach out, it's mindfulu.org, and that's mindful, the letter U.org. And my email address is rick at mindfulyou.org. So we'd love to talk with you anytime. We do a lot of great coaching, mentoring. We build in artificial intelligence into this emotional intelligence quotient, And it's really exciting too and very rewarding. The one thing I can say is in all my 35 years of being in business, this by far is the most rewarding because every day we hear from some of our folks to say, you've changed my life. My wife seen a difference my relationships are better my everything about my life is just so much better i sleep better and it's just connecting the dots between an issue a problem a challenge and using mindfulness pro approach to do that that's hard for people to see but when they finally reached it they can look back and say oh i can easily say that this is what changed my life and unfortunately if we if i could turn back the clock And do one thing, I would try to teach the kids more about mindfulness and meditation and breathing, because think about what this world would be like if we had less bullying and depression and anxiety and all of the things that are causing these healthy, these chronic illnesses. It really does start with our attitude. And unfortunately, we didn't learn this in school.
0: Yeah, no, so true. We have to now unprogram ourselves and re-educate ourselves. And for those who want to check out one of their workshops or some of their online programs, go check out mindfulu.org, M-I-N-D-F-U-L-U.org. Or you can email rick at mindfulu.org. Rick, this has been such a great conversation. I feel like you're my brother from another mother. Thank you for coming. I know you've got your own following, your own list, your own audience, your own programs. Thank you for coming and sharing with me and mine. So hopefully we can help everyone be better leaders.
1: I look forward to it. It's been really a joy to be with you, Daryl. Appreciate your time.